Yo, it's DJ Scanless, and we're ready for a gangster party on the Tubac Music Podcast. We're going to break down some more Tubac and Nas news. Let's get it. So we peep in this article here on VladTV.com. Title reads, Nas says that Tubac copied his QB chain. So Nas copied Tubac's The Life Tattoo. So scrolling down here, the article goes on to say that recently Nas dropped his latest album, The King's Disease, which you can find on iTunes, YouTube Music, Spotify, everywhere. And this album features Lil Durk, Don Tolliver, and a reunion between himself and the firm, Foxy Brown, AZ, and Cormega. On one of the tracks titled The Cure, Nas spoke about him and Tupac and how they copy elements from each other during their career. On his song Nas Rap, Pac's on the chain, got his medallion, I won't insinuate imitation because I copied his stomach. Nas noted that Tupac's used Phanasia chain and was a copy of his QB medallion, which he sported in the mid-90s. Nas says that he doesn't view Pac's chain as an imitation of him, and he went on to say that he copied Tupac's Stud Life stomach tattoo with his godson tattoo which he got years later after Tupac's passing. All right, so now let's go to Google to check this shit out. If you guys are listening on my podcast, on Tupac Music Podcast or Scandalous Talk, be sure to check out my Scandalous Talk YouTube channel for a video version of this podcast. So here's the image of the QB chain that you can find online if you just type in Nas QB chain on Google search. Now the chain that Nas is talking about is the actual chain that Tupac wore in the video version of Toss It Up. Tupac actually only got this chain around September 2nd of 1996. So Tupac only got to wear this chain for that video and for the MTV Video Music Awards in New York City. So roughly only about four days he actually got to wear that chain. Now if you guys aren't familiar with my YouTube channel or whatever, on DJ Skinless YouTube channel, I have another video on there where Nas talk about the last confrontation that he had with Tupac Shakur after the MTV Video Music Awards in which him and Pac had a confrontation in Central Park and he broke down what actually happened. So a quick breakdown of that video, Snoop Dogg actually talked about this situation a couple times in various interviews with Vlad TV and other outlets as well. And Snoop went on to say that Nas was rolling 100 deep and everybody was strapped on his side, but Pac was completely oblivious to the whole situation. And he also said that no one else was strapped on Pac's side. However, Nas clarified the whole situation and said that both sides were strapped, and this is the same thing that Napoleon from the Outlaws and Reggie Wright Jr., the chief of security at Death Row, also said. So the reason why I bring that up is, this is probably the time that Nas actually seen the euthanasia chain in person because Pac was rocking that at the MTV Video Music Awards. So Nas seen that right up close in person, right before Pac got shot a couple days later. So when you go look at Nas's videos to see when he actually started wearing his chain, if you look at If I Ruled the World, he actually has a small medallion. It's not even on the same size as the QB chain or the euthanasia chain. However, when you look at the Street Dreams music video, you actually see a larger chain in which Nas is referring to. So when we look at this chain, the only thing I think it has in common is they're both big giant medallions. The chain is not attached to the medallion in the same places as Tupac's and Nas's. Nas's version actually has a piece on top of his medallion, which actually connects to the chain, whereas Tupac's version connects to the actual medallion itself. So the reason why I made this whole video is everyone's talking about how Pac copied Nas. Now there's a good chance that actually Tupac was inspired by Nas because Tupac was a genuine fan of Nas. Like I said in my other video and my other podcast is that when Tupac got shot, he was actually bumping the Nas album It Was Written. And it's also common belief that Tupac and Nas squashed their beef in Central Park and they were set to actually record together for the One Nation album that Tupac was working on, which was the East Coast, West Coast collaboration type album that was going to be released at the end of 97, early 98. All right, so now we're going to go over some examples as to why I think maybe that Pac didn't copy Nas. Now, like I said, it's as real as it gets. You're going to get raw and cut. You know, I do these podcasts, I do these news videos 
I'm going to tell you how it is. I'm going to give you my personal opinion. If you want that horse shit where they just tell you the news and they don't give you their opinion, they want you to decide, you can go elsewhere. But with my videos, I'm going to tell you guys the facts. I'm going to tell you guys some stories and you guys can make your own conclusion. So when Tupac was actually interviewed at the MTV Video Music Awards, Tupac said, I'm trying to bring 1989 back. I was broke in 89. Plus they had me in jail for a year for a crime I didn't commit. They locked me in chains, so I'm going to put a chain on. So this reference probably won over everybody's head. So when you refer to the 1980s, the big time artists of that decade had big gold chains on. Big Daddy Kane, Rakim, Eric B. So when you look at Eric B and Rakim, you'll see that they all have big gold chains on with a large gold medallion. And when you look at Eric B's chain, it looks very much like Tupac's euthanasia chain. And this is because Eric B's version actually has an eagle on it while Tupac's has the angel of death. So the angel of death has wings, very much like an eagle. So I think it's very well possible that Tupac was also inspired by Eric B and Rakim. Tupac gave praise to Eric B and Rakim on the song Old School for his 1995 album, Me Against the World. Also, Tupac even references Eric B on the unreleased song, If They Loved Your Kids, which he recorded at Death Row Records. And it's also common belief that Eric B was actually working for Death Row around the time that Tupac Shakur got shot. Eric B was actually supposed to manage Death Row East, the record label, which his first artist was supposed to be Craig Mack. So Death Row East was going to be an offshoot of Death Row, but with East Coast artists. And here's the actual close-up of Eric B's equal chain. So I think there's a strong case that Tupac was also inspired by Eric B and Rakim, and that's why he referenced 1989. Also, Tupac was very much changing his style during his Death Row days. But it's kind of crazy because Tupac always evolved his style as time went on, but so many versions of his style are now fads and trends. You know, Tupac brought in the Badana era. You know, you could say, well, Ice Cube did that too, but... Tupac tied it up front and we've seen so many other rappers imitate that style. Tupac also wore a lot of snapbacks a lot and he wore the snapbacks with the hat backwards, such as wearing it for the Poetic Justice movie, as well as other music videos and live performances such as Out of Bale at the Source Awards. And you can find so many pictures of Tupac wearing a snapback with the hat backwards. And so many other artists did this more recently, such as Big Sean. And Tupac also had that Gumby hairstyle, which you know, Soldier Boy actually copied that too several years ago. And then by the time that Tupac was on Death Row Records, he was more getting involved with Versace, suits and ties, wearing slacks, a more professional look. And I think this was because not only was he mostly on top of the, you know, hip hop Mount Rushmore at that time, the biggest rapper in the world at that time, but also he was getting more heavily involved in acting as well as politics, trying to make a movement for a change you know, trying to get a Pop Warner football league off the ground in Los Angeles, in California. And also have movies such as Baby Boy, Star Wars, the Three Strikes movie, possibly on the horizon. And there's the main reason why I brought up Versace, because there's this article on Vogue, which breaks down Tupac's appearance at the Versace fashion show in 1996. So in this article, Gianni Versace actually invited Tupac Shakur to walk in his fall winter 1996-1997 show. A few months before his untimely death at the age of 25 on September 13, 1996, Tupac came down the Versace runway in Milan alongside girlfriend Kadada Jones, dressed in a gold velvet suit from the collection, and launched into a performance of his iconic hit California Love, which set the crowd on fire. And here's a clip of that right here. Tupac also referenced Versace in the song Hit Him Up, where he basically claims that Notorious B.I.G. was copying his style in regard to wearing Versace. Now here's the main reason why I bring that up. When you type in the terms Versace Medusa head in Google search, you'll find several chains and pendants and medallions here 
I look very much like Tupac's euthanasia chain. You'll see it has the same shape. It has the same protruding type logo and the same location for the diamonds around the actual pendant as well. So I think it's very well possible that maybe Tupac was not inspired by Nas, but he was more inspired by his involvement with Versace or possibly Eric B and Rakim. And let's be real, Nas actually copied more than just a stomach tattoo. Tupac also wore a lot of leather on death row, such as what you can see on the All Eyes On Me photo shoots. And this was something that Nas started doing around 98, 99. And then he also got his chain rehashed and remade, which then looked more like Tupac's youth and age chain more than the original. All right guys, so I know this was kind of like a long one. I just want to break it down because I see so many videos here saying that Tupac copied Nas. And like I said, it's very well possible that he could have been inspired by Nas or seen the actual Street Dreams video. So yeah, he could have been inspired by Nas, but he also could have been inspired by Eric B. Rakim or Versace for that gold chain or Big Daddy Kane. Yo, what's going on? It's DJ Skinless here. We're back with some new hip hop news. For this one, we're gonna break down this recent article that's everywhere. Takashi69 believes that there's no difference between him and Tupac Shakur. I'm gonna break it down for you guys. Let's get it. All right, so we got this article here on the LADBible.com. And this goes on to say that Tupac Shakur is widely regarded as one of the greatest rappers of all time. Some even reckon that he's the greatest. But a new name is seemingly trying to muscle onto that list as he reckons he's right up there with the legendary Tupac. In a wide-ranging interview with the New York Times, Takashi 69 real name Daniel Hernandez, was asked how he compared to Tupac. 6ix9ine pleaded guilty to one felony count of use of a child in a SEX performance in 2015 and went to jail last year for conspiracy to commit murder and armed robbery. 6ix9ine believes he and Tupac share more than just a criminal history. In this interview, he replied, Is Tupac Shakur loved or hated? Loved. What's the difference between me and Tupac Shakur? I never called a rape charge ever. The New York Times journalist Joe Coscarelli hit back saying that Pac put art into this world in which he grappled with his demons and tried to use his rap and help people. 6ix9ine believes he's doing the same thing. He responded, what am I doing? Maybe it's fun, it's turn up music, but it's not introspective. And then 6ix9ine began rapping Tupac's Troublesome 96 song, which appeared on Tupac's Greatest Hits album in 1998. He went on to say this is one of his biggest songs. What's the difference between this and Billy? And then he rapped, a born leader never leave the crib without my heater. You're telling me he gave back through his art? You're lying to me. 6ix9ine also said, I gotta feed what? In 2020, it's relevant. I gotta feed the masses. There's no difference between me and Tupac Shakur. The reporter also said that Tupac was more diverse in his art, which 6ix9ine only makes fun turn-up music. And 6ix9ine replied to this that, He can go there, but my fans don't want that. You don't go to McDonald's to get a filet mignon. So guys, how do you feel about this? Do you feel like 6ix9ine is on the same level as Tupac Shakur? Do you feel like he's better? Do you feel like there's no difference between him and Tupac? Now, before I start busting 6ix9ine's chops here, you know, I just want to say that obviously I'm an old head kind of, you know, I was born in 88, you know, I was raised on Ice Cube, Tupac, Easy e Biggie, even DMX and 50 Cent. So that music always has appealed to me because that's what I was raised on. But also, Tupac's music also helped me get through many tragedies within my life, something that I feel like music today does not do. So I don't want to go hate on a new wave of rap just because it's different and I was not brought up on that type of music. Obviously, I know that music of different tastes will appeal to different people. However, for you to say that you're one of the best rappers out or the best rappers of all time, we hear this all the time. Rappers want to say that they're the best, they're the greatest. But yet they bring up Tupac, Biggie, and mostly every other interview they talk about them. You know, if I'm the best in the game, why do I got to talk about people in the past? 
I should feel like there's no competition. So why talk about it? And I find this ironic that 6ix9ine is actually talking about this right around the time that his album's about to drop. Also, you have two box anniversary of the shooting that occurred in Las Vegas in 1996, as well as his tragic passing September 13th. So it just seems like 6ix9ine trying to troll here, clout chase. And that's what he's known for. He's known for clout chasing. He's known for trolling. He's known more, I think, for his social media relations as opposed to his music. And let's get it straight. Tupac Shakur was not convicted of R.A.P.E. I'm just going to say it like that so I don't get this demonetized. It was actually sexual abuse charge. He actually got convicted of sexual abuse, and there's a big difference. And if you did your due diligence and you checked up on Tupac's interviews, you would know that this woman that Tupac was involved with, he had consensual sex with before this even transpired. And you would know that Tupac was asleep while this woman had relations with other people of Tupac's entourage. But the only reason that Tupac got a charge is because he was the famous one within that posse. And here's a clip of here, Tupac Shakur talking about this charge. If I'm representing like to what, what they think is that I represent lawlessness and the outlaw mentality and I represent that thug mentality from the street. So they feel like if they can punish me, then it'll punish people who are not as brave as I am, who don't speak out against, who about, uh, speak out against things like me, who not scared to walk through the streets with no bodyguards. See, they need to put me in jail. These other guys, they don't have to put in jail because they can arrest them on smaller things. They can't arrest me on no small things. They got to frame me. They got to do things like this. They got to have, you know, 30 charges and none of them have to do with me. You know what I'm saying? How can you, if you really, while all these cameras are here, everybody goes on the ground. How am I going to forcibly do anything to a girl after she did it to me consensually. And that's not something I'm making up. That's what they said. They said that. The girl came to court and said she did this, she did that. She called my hotel. It was good. She said that. Not me. Now, why am I going to force her? I mean, this is common sense. But no matter what happens, innocent or guilty, my life is ruined. Can you tell me how you're doing today? Well, I just had to listen to the uh, prosecution's closing argument and it was just so far from the truth that it really just has me drained at the end of the day but I'm leaving it in the hands of the jury I'm learning a lot about people's innermost fears in this trial because as far it's not even about my trial no more it's just about loud rap music tattoo having thugs it's not even about me no more it's about you know some nightmare that these people having She's talking about thug life and all yeah, that, trying like, to... Um, he's definitely guilty. Anybody with thug life tattooed on their stomach is guilty. What type of reasoning is that? You know what I'm saying? We got different backgrounds. We come from two different places. Just because I look different than her doesn't mean that I'm a sodomizer or a raper. They've said it in the... I can't understand why it's this close. They're talking about there's no evidence that I ever sodomized her, even though you put that all over the paper. And every time they take a quote out of this courtroom, they take a quote from out of her mouth which is, you know, the stuff to put me in jail. It's nothing that's been true. I just want print the facts so everybody can sort it out. My life is ruined because nobody has a chance to get the facts. And the fact is that there was no semen no found. No semen found, no forcible entry, no entry into the anal, no nothing, none of that. You know, and no fingerprints on the no gun. No fingerprints on the guns, you know what I'm saying? The only time ever there was an act of sodomy, she admitted she did it to me. I should be, you know, putting charges on this girl who sodomized me on the floor of a dance club. Why am I in court? You know what I'm saying? Get my life ripped apart. But I'm here. I'm going to go through it just to show that I have faith in the American system. But for me to have faith in the American system, these juries and everybody else, 
has to, you know what I'm saying, play the same role and to keep an open mind. I'm already convicted. My whole life has been turned around. I lost every job. I lost everything, every opportunity. I can't get, can't get, buy cars, can't get rent, can't get none of that. But I'm still a survivor, you know, I'm still coming to court, still smiling, still signing autographs. But soon I'm going to go crazy, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's up to the world, you know, America eats its babies. We, I'm, No matter what y'all think about me, I'm still your child, you know what I'm saying? You can't just turn me off like that. So I find this to be very different than, you know, talking to 13, 14, 15 year olds like 6ix9ine was doing. Tupac didn't need to do that. Tupac was getting around with famous people such as Nina Hartley, Heather Hunter. If you don't know who that is, you better Google that shit. Jasmine Guy, Kadada Jones, Madonna. You think he had to mess with some 13, 14 year olds? Hell no. That's the difference. Also, I want to make clear that this dude said that Troubles from 96 was one of Tupac's most well-known songs. That's not true. Troubles from 96 is a badass song that Tupac recorded right after All Eyes on Me, before the One Nation Machiavelli section. So around March to May of 96, this was for his unreleased album called 100% Black Gold, which had many other tracks on there like One Thug's Cry, Where's My Firstborn, Hit Him Up, Mama Just a Little Girl, many more. And this album just got scrapped because Tupac was recording so much. And this song got released in 1998 on Tupac's greatest hits album, but I don't think it's one of his most well-known songs. His most well-known songs are Life Goes On, Dear Mama, Keep Your Head Up, Brenda's Got a Baby, How Long Were They Mourn Me, Thug's Mansion, I Wonder If Heaven Got a Ghetto, I Ain't Mad At You, Only God Could Judge Me, Hold Your Head, To Live and Die in L.A., White Man's World, Until the End of Time, Ghetto Gospel, and Changes. And what do all these songs have in common? Well, I'll tell you what. They're all inspirational, motivational songs that have a story to it. A song like Gooba does not have a story to it. It's all fun turn up music. So that's the difference. You got Tupac being known for his more storytelling driven songs that are inspirational and that can uplift anybody across the globe where you have 6ix9ine that just known for party tracks. And the difference is, like I've been saying, Tupac's music is still played today. You still have Tupac's songs that reach the charts. You still have so many unreleased songs of Tupac still coming out online every year. You don't see this with other rappers. And that just shows you how great Tupac was. His work ethic was legendary. Something that no other rapper out today can even duplicate. He has had more albums released dead than alive. More double albums than any other rapper in rap history. More platinum double albums than any rapper in history. And he still has over 100, 150, 200 unreleased songs still. That still has not come out. And yet, he's been dead over 20 years. Going almost 25 years soon to be. And he's still more talked about than mostly any rapper in the game today. And when anybody wants to compare themselves to anybody in the rap game, it's always about Tupac. It's always about Biggie, right? They're always brought up. But yet you guys want to talk about you're the greatest rapper of all time. You're the best rapper out there. Why are you bringing up people from the past? Just like if I'm playing basketball and I am think I'm the greatest basketball player of all time, I'm not going to sit there and talk about Michael Jordan because I feel like I'm better than Michael Jordan. Why am I going to talk about him? What it says to me is that all these motherfuckers, all these mumble rappers, they're just making music for now, you know, music that is not timeless, that won't be brought up in 10, 20 years. You still see Tupac's music changes back on the Billboard charts after 22 years and 26 years after it was actually recorded in 92. And that's why I think, you know, 6ix9ine is butthurt about this because changes after all that time, you know, being released in 98, being recorded in 92, it surpassed Gooba on the iTunes charts. And Gooba was the newly released track. That just shows me how this dude is butthurt, jealous, and he knows that he'll never be loved 
and revered as Tupac because he doesn't relate to people on a global level and make that type of music that can inspire and motivate people for years to come in the way that Tupac did. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I like some mumble rap. Okay. It's catchy, but I don't sit back and try to uh, gain an understanding and see how that music will fit my life and help me in my life like I do with 90s rap. But I just hate it when these Fruit Loop rappers, all these rappers that copy and mimic one another with face tattoos, putting little in front of their name, copying the same type of beats, having hooks all over their song that is the majority of the fucking song, want to talk trash and call Tupac's music, Biggie's music boring, just because they can't understand the fucking lyrics, can't understand the story to it, can't come up with those type of bars to save their life. And I know I'm going to get all these little kids in here that are going to hate on my fucking video, dislike, I don't give a fuck. This is some sucker shit. You know, you got to come in, you got to compare yourself to Tupac and talk about a rape charge when you don't even have the facts. He was never convicted of that. But like I said, all these motherfuckers are jealous because Tupac's music is more relevant now than ever. You see changes back on the charts. You see Tupac's greatest hits album from 98 overthrowing all these albums on the iTunes charts back in June. Now, don't get me wrong. All these little kids will say, well, uh, uh, Takashi got a billion views. Tupac only has 300 million. Shut your bitch ass up. Views don't mean shit, especially when you don't have the artist here to promote his craft, to go on tours, to actually make videos promoting his album and these releases. And the other thing that's different is your songs are new. They haven't released a new Tupac song since 2006, but Tupac still has so many unreleased songs. They could drop something today, tomorrow, and it could blow up. But they don't know how to manage his catalog right. They don't know how to manage his social media right. That's the difference. Now, I will say that Tupac was definitely a hothead. You know, he was in the news a lot. And Tupac basically invented the art of trolling because he trolled Biggie for all of 96. Getting him with his girl, taking pictures, telling his girl that, you know, they're there to make music, but, you know, he was basically clowning Biggie. He did that whole trolling shit way before. When Lil 6 9 was in diapers. So I will give you that. That in that regard, 6ix9ine comes close to Tupac's presence, you know, as a master troll and being caught up in the news all the time. But Tupac definitely was not a sellout. He would not snitch on you. He would not throw you under the bus. And he was the type of dude that would take a rap for anybody. You can just check out this video I did with DJ D-Nice and Tupac on my Scantless Talk channel where Tupac took the rap for something that occurred in the club way back in the day. When Sakashi 69 says that Tupac's music does not help people, that's a lie. I see so many people come in my comment sections and say that this song got them off drugs. This song helped them get through the passing of this person, their loved one. I actually had a Tupac song sync with a baby's heartbeat. And then one of my songs helped a girl from Australia. She was nine years old and she was being bullied. She felt like ending her life and she found the song and it gave her hope and inspiration. This is something you don't see with other mumble rappers say. You don't see with Lil Pump, Lil Uzi, Lil Yachty especially 6ix9ine. And Tupac always gave back through his craft. You can find so many stories on Tupac, meeting up with fans, basically doing a make a wish with a terminally ill child whose last wish was to meet Tupac Shakur. Tupac flew out to Maryland to see this kid. And Tupac also went to prom with a fan. So Tupac always gave back throughout his whole career. And this always has been something that's been overlooked by casual fans and the media. Also guys, be sure to check out my changes video I have on my DJ Scanless channel where I talk about changes actually overthrowing the Gooba song and I break it down. Let me know your thoughts on this whole topic. Let me know if you think 6ix9ine is just like Tupac. Do you feel like he's just another rapper that's trying to get hype off of Tupac? Because like I said, no one's going to be playing 6 ix 9 music 
that he records right now, 20 years from now. You don't see anyone playing hardly any of 6ix9ine's tracks from 2016, 2015. And that's because these motherfuckers don't make timeless music. You still see people playing Keep Your Head Up, Brenda's Got a Baby, or Biggie's Big Papa. You see that all the time. So 6ix9ine, stay in your lane. Talk about shit you know about, because you don't know about Pac, you don't know about his story, and get off his nuts. You know, if you're the best, why you gotta talk about it? And I find it as an insult to Tupac in his whole life that you wanna come out and say he was convicted of something that he wasn't convicted of. And if you know history, boy, a lot of people associated with Tupac ain't here no more. So you best check yourself before you ask to get capped or clapped. <laughs> we already know it got clapped. All right, guys, so that's it for today's podcast. The Tupac Music Podcast. It was your boy DJ Scanless. You know what time it is. Your favorite DJ's favorite DJ. And we out. Deuces.